2: Get Hello and
0: welcome to episode 130 of Slam Fire Radio for number 5th, 2015. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor the Farwate.
2: I'm Adriel Michaud. And I'm Matthew the Warning Shot McClatchy. Welcome to yet another edition of... Wait, what is this?
0: This is Slam Fire Radio. <laughs> oh,
2: right. Yeah. Cool.
0: So why don't you slam us with what you did this
2: week? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, do you guys remember what I did last week?
0: Yes. That's what two. I did this week. Oh, double your fun.
2: Double, no, I'm, I'm like having my fun. Wait, no, it doesn't make any sense. It's terrible. I just have been, uh, yeah, I'm going to get out and do something this week, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Why don't you take your lovely wife to the range? She podcasts better than you. She probably shoots better than you as well.
2: That's what people have been saying. Um, she actually has a Christmas Christmas list that includes a Ruger 1022 and all the accoutrement for shooting our apple seed. Accoutrement. Yeah, I think you said it wrong. Um, no, I think
0: you asked your so, wife. She speaks better French than I do. She'll correct
2: you. So, so anyway, I I guess I'm buying a Ruger 1022 again. I I never thought I would. Well,
0: um, you're not. I mean, it's not yours.
2: I'm buying it for Jewel. Now, here's so, the thing. Do I do I tell her yes, I will buy this for you as soon as you get your PAL, or yeah. do I just go buy it for? Her? You just
0: go buy it for, her, but yeah. I encourage her to get yeah. the PAL anyway, right? Yeah. Because happy wife happy
2: life right hmm. yeah.
0: uh so what happens to ting she keep ting or you flip ting
2: well things there's no there's no flipping ting i mean they don't it's a they don't really hold their they don't really hold their value seeing as they're less than 200 dollars brand new it's well, not really that, worth but it gener-
0: generally <laughs> you keep your your collection trim
2: I, I generally do um what i'll probably end up doing is I'll get the Ruger for her, get it set up the way she wants it, let her shoot it, and then give her ting again and see if she still likes it or if she just likes the Ruger, then I'll just sell.
3: My
0: concern is that I got the impression that she's under the understanding, or she's under the impression, that the 795 is not adequate for Appleseed. They're um, magazine-fed. What's yeah. the issue?
2: I think... What sh- draws her to the 1022 was Edith's 1022, and Edith had an extremely lightweight, uh, barrel on her 1022, which really, really made the rifle very light. And, yeah. uh, Jewel's very drawn to that. Jewel doesn't have much upper body strength. She likes to have her, her rifles nice and light. And even, even her, the 795, I catch her doing the old newbie back arch. Mm-hmm. trying to support the weight offhand. She, she doesn't have to. She can she can support it properly, but whenever she starts to get tired, she starts to do that. And I think a lighter rifle would allow her to, to stay in the proper stance for a longer period of time.
4: The mag changes are probably quicker with that too, right? Because with... Uh, maple seed, don't you have to change change mags on uh-huh. some of those things?
2: Yeah, yeah the, the Ruger you can set up to to drop it the mags will drop free. free very quickly and easily with a little lever under the trigger guard. With yes. the seven ninety five you have to take your hand off the grip. Oh, that's why. And, yeah, okay. and two hand it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Styx has that lever underneath his trigger guard. When we shot the apple seed qualifier here at the charity shoot, yep. I was using Stix's rifle. And he had that. And that is slick, man. You just give that a little squeeze, the mag drops out of there as yep. nice as a mag out of an air.
2: Yeah, no, it, it it works very well, so I'll be setting that up for, for Jewel on hers too whenever she gets her ten twenty two. What if you
4: use the seven ninety five as like a quad gun kind of a thing? A quad gun? What do you mean? Well what on the four
2: wheeler. So, oh, I've I've yeah. got I've got two seven ninety fives plus a Marlin Papoose. <laughs> So you you already, already uh, covered that. I'm component. good. Yeah. I got I got all the 795s I need and then some. <laughs> the
0: trunk gun, the quad gun, the boat gun.
2: Wait, no. The airplane gun. I should throw yeah. one in the airplane. The papoose would fit in the airplane very nicely.
4: Yes, it would. Survival yeah. rifle. Yeah. yeah. It's a good so a, I should... should you know, sorry, go ahead.
2: I was going to say I should get another one so I can put one in the airplane because I can't have, you know, I gotta have one at home too. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I'm sure if you talk to Edith, she can, you know, because that was a build. She can yes. send you a list of uh, of the parts, right? So you can make it as close to her as possible.
2: Yep, absolutely. We could do that. So Edith, right. you're listening, so send me a list.
0: And I have to send Edith a list of parts to help Styx build a particular
2: type of AR. Ah, very cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. So yeah, so anyway, that's basically all I did and what that was was nothing, and Jewel fortunately had done something, so that gave me something to talk about. So I guess um I guess that brings us to Trevor. <laughs>
0: Okay. Uh, super busy. Uh, you remember I said uh, last week that I was going to spend my birthday on the range, and I did. I was out there both days, Saturday and Sunday, John Allen and I went out, shot some different things on both days. I rolled up some grand ammunition that unfortunately did not cycle the gun. I, um, I didn't get all the way to the max charge yet, but I, I will. I'm going to go back out and try it again with the max charge for that particular powder and that particular bullet. Uh The issue may in fact be that the uh, Grand gear plug that I've installed in my Garand ha, has the volume capacity of the gas cylinder increased to the point where I'm not building enough pressure. So do I take that out and go back to the factory plug and start over with reduced loads? I don't know. Probably it's what's going to have to happen. If I can't get the gun to cycle with a max charge with the Grand gear load, then I put the factory Grand plug back in and start over at the bottom. And uh, and slowly increase until I get the gun to cycle without bending the op rod.
4: What kind of powder are you using on the, on those?
0: Thirty thirty one. That's the yeah. the powder that the powder fairy uh,
4: dropped off last week for the the empty powder drugs. Yeah, I'm using uh, I think uh, oh I can't remember 41-89, But I'm I'm running factory plug and I'm running a, a reduced load as well, just because I didn't want to I didn't want to bother with the plug and adjusting it and all that kind of stuff.
0: Oh, it's no adjustment. The, the Garand gear plug is simply shorter, which mm-hmm. is, in, which increases your gas cylinder volume by 30%. So Ooh. it allows you the ability to run modern ammunition, even 180 grain projectile modern ammunition without, uh, over gassing the gas system on that 70 year old rifle.
4: I see. Okay. I,
0: I didn't know you had a Garand.
4: Yeah, I've got one. I'm, I'm running IMR 4895 and I'm running, what do we got? 48 grains with a 150 grain bullet. Oh, nice. And that's, that's cycling with the, uh, with the factory action and it's reliable.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Well, I've got the, the, uh, the Hornady Garand safe recipes, but none of the, uh, there's no recipe listed for this particular powder. So. Yeah, what I've typically been doing is just putting in the uh well, it, it, the uh, factory plug or the Grand Gear plug. The gun will cycle Remington Core Lock 150 grain without any problem. So
4: That's, that I stuff f- kind of kind of beat mine up, and I ended up ripping off some rims with it. So <laughs> I take that to mean it's overgassed with with oh, the with Core the... Locks. Yeah, so wow. I stopped using those. Interesting.
0: <laughs> is yours a uh, an original Grand barrel or an aftermarket?
4: original and just horrid looking. It's absolutely disgusting inside, but it shoots really nicely. So I, I I'm, I'm keeping it. Nice. Yeah. Um,
0: I also went to, or took out the Savage model 99, uh, which I had restored back in late winter, picked up in late spring, finally took it out and shot it for the first time. The rifle's from 1954. It has a straight four power Weaver scope from 1954 on it as well. And I could not believe the clarity of this piece of glass. I was really impressed with how, how good it was given its age. I wouldn't want to go bumping it around. I imagine it probably doesn't hold to zero very well if you abuse it. But the rifle, for those people who don't know, has an internal rotary magazine and is lever action. And, uh, it's, it's quite a pain to load. Uh it wasn't the counter goes to five. I was only able to get five in there once. After that I just loaded to four. Three hundred savage is what's chambered in, and it's a very, very nice, soft shooting round. And the accuracy for the sixty-one year old rifle and sixty-one year old scope was quite impressive. Um it was shooting, you know, two, two and a half um with a hundred and fifty grain, two, two and a half inches at a hundred. And uh I'll take that. You know, for a sixty-one-year-old rifle and scope. Yeah, that's all
2: uh, right, and and I mean, I'm sure you could dial that in with some hand loads and stuff too.
0: Yeah, and or maybe it. maybe also the uh, the twist rate on the barrel. Perhaps it likes a hundred and eighty grain. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, but yeah. it's not three hundred. Savage is not something I see in the stores very often. No, and it's the same cost as out six, which is a little depressing. So, <laughs> And then another gun that I got out on Saturday to shoot, spent like all day there. It was my birthday. It was just my birthday
2: and I'll do what I want. <laughs> did and did you like my birthday greeting by the way? I don't remember what it was. It was because it was so early in the morning you didn't know what oh, was going on. Right, yes. <laughs> you sent me a like, Voxer back which was like completely I unintelligible. And you're <laughs> like, I don't even remember what I said.
0: <laughs> I was literally opening opening my eyes, so thank you. Um uh, <sighs> Jeff Reese from the Calgary Shooting Center, if you don't shop there, you're a communist, he um, sent me the Savage 93RBTVSS that we took on the Gopher Apocalypse a couple of years back when I was out there for the gun show. And I finally got out to the range to cite that in. Um, thanks to listener Andy Shan, it has, now this is overkill, it has a Leupold VX3 4.5 to 14 power scope on it. So yeah, it's a bit much for a 17HMR, but, man, when you look through that piece of glass, 200 meters, I'm meters—I'm—I'm I'm knocking rocks. I'm pulling a Matthew. I'm picking rocks on the
2: berm. <laughs> it's two, fun, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it I, well, yeah, 200 meters when you can see them, and you can see the little 17-HMR bullet hit them. Yeah, yep. it's a lot of fun. So, unfortunately, I couldn't get a real good zero on Saturday because it was stupid windy. As a matter of fact, I didn't even think I was going to get around to shooting it, but I did. Um also shot my NEA-15 at 25 meters, Um and uh, we shot a little bit of handgun that day as well. We went back the next day on Sunday, and I had my NEA-15 out to 36 yards at the Daniel Shaw Clinic. I didn't run it, I took the EOTEC off of it and put it on my NEA-39. Well, I need to put it back on and re-zero it, so I confirmed the zero at 36 yards, shot some really nice groups with it double check the iron sights. I shot very acceptable groups with it at 36 with the iron sights. I also shot the uh, Mark 18 with iron sights to confirm them at 25 because I had them at 36, and Daniel said, no, Mark 18, short barrel, um, zero that at 25. Uh, John was with me, and he bought my NEA 39, and um, that's what he was shooting at. Well, it, uh, Daniel also said zero that at 25. So after I had my NEA 39 0.36 and he, no, sorry, my NEA 15 0.36 yards and John had his NEA 39 0.25 yards, we decided to confirm our hits at 200 on a figure 11 target. That's the target that looks like the old German or Russian soldier, the one that they shoot in service conditions. So there was one of those at 200. So we decided to take some shots at it off of the bench to see how, uh, where our point of impact was going to be. Uh, holding in the upper part of the chest, and mine was exactly where it was supposed to be uh, zeroed at at thirty six I was hitting bang on, shot about a four inch group at two hundred uh with an eotech off of the bench. Couldn't have been happier. It was shooting a little bit to the right. you're not you know you're you're gonna expect that right at thirty six the bullet is still maybe drifting off, and you're not noticing it as much, but as it travels out to two hundred, then you see that it continues to drift off so at two hundred it was shooting to the right. So I dialed it back a little bit and shot another fantastic group. John's first group with a twenty-five years, twenty-five year, twenty-five yard zero at two hundred. I don't think he got one hit. So we thought, okay, this is unusual. So we what we did was we took a large brown piece of wrapping paper or butcher paper, whatever, covered the entire target stand with that, and then we put on a piece of eight and a half by 11 paper stapled it to the middle and he shot at that and the rifle was shooting incredibly to the right so we dialed it over at 200 got on paper checked it again at 25 and um to get good kind of shooting a little high at 200 he was very high at 25 so i'm not sure if a 25 yard 25 yard zero for that caliber is correct we're gonna have to get out and play with that again but it was it was really cool i've always wanted to do that everybody's oh 36 yard zero I've been zeroing my rifles at 36 yards, but then never having the time to go confirm the hits at 200. So it's supposed to be high at 100, in at 200, and a little low at 300. And I have no reason to uh, to expect otherwise after seeing the results at 200. Then I had my Model 29 with me, uh, my 44 Magnum. And uh, I discovered that the um, powder charge that I was getting off of my lead turret press was uh, a little too hot. I should be getting a maximum, like the minimum powder charge for the powder I'm using is supposed to be 23 grains and maximum 24. And I was getting 24 and a half, 24.6. So good news. I've got 700 plus bullets to pull.
2: Oh, is that it? That's it. Yeah. This that would only take you a couple minutes. Yeah. Well, thanks to <laughs> Mike,
0: Mike from the reloading podcast. And you really should be listening to the reloading podcast. Uh, Cause they, they, you know, they talk about things other than reloading as well, accuracy and, and stuff like that. But, um, Mike turned me on to this bullet pulling system that actually kind of functions like a die on your reloading press. There's a collet that goes into a die, and you put the bullet onto the shell holder, crank down the handle. The bullet goes up into the collet. The collet has a lever on it. You squeeze the lever, which applies pressure to the bullet, pull the handle in the opposite direction. The case comes out, the powder comes out, and the bullet stays up inside the press. So there's no smacking on a hammer. There's no spreading gunpowder all over the floor of your reloading room. So thanks to Mike for turning me on to that. I ordered one of those off of Amazon right away. So when that comes in, I will uh, I will get to pulling. Now, it's interesting. I loaded some bullets with Winchester 296, and I loaded some bullets with Hodgkin H110. Some people say they're the same. Some people say they're not. I always thought they were the same. I asked Mike. Mike said, I think they're the same. Let me do some checking. He came back and said, no. I talked to somebody who said they're not the same. And then I found something on the internet. Anyway, long story short, Mike actually took the trouble to call Hodgson for me and got confirmation that Winchester 296 and Hodgson H110 is completely interchangeable. So I don't have to... My strategy was not knowing which bullets were loaded with which powder. They are, however, all stacked in trays of 50. So my plan was to pull 50 isolate the powder from that 50 reload them immediately with the proper powder charge and then move on to the next 50 but now I don't have to do that I can pull them all dump all the powder in one container and then start over
4: that's cool are, are your bullets uh, are those those cast ones or are they uh, jacketed
0: these are campro full metal jackets okay, and then good. I have a couple of different uh, I've got some I think they're hornady they're a very very nice jacketed hollow point 240 grain I've got some spear hollow points. I've got a couple of different manufactured um at least three different manufactured hollow points that are uh, those will be just put away for the apocalypse.
4: And how uh, a, how heavy of a crimp did you put on them? A fairly
0: heavy crimp cuz there, there is a cannelure on the bullet so um yeah. I pulled a couple, I pulled about 50 with the hammer and it was like, it was my tennis elbow was acting up. I thought it was going to blow a calf muscle. I was like, no, <laughs> I, I,
2: can't,
0: I can't have any of this. So yeah. moving on, um, the busy week continues on Tuesday. I brought, I broke out the bow for the first time this season, took my hunting bow to the archery club in Bathurst, shot a couple arrows. I shot for 20 minutes. The bow set to 60 pounds. I haven't touched it since last year. And after about 20 minutes at 60 pounds, i actually oh, am embarrassed to say this cranked back a little bit showing my age i guess turned it back to 55 pounds and then shot the rest of the practice so about two hours at uh, 55 pounds the very next night i went to the local archery club here now the local archery club was um founded in 2013 and i've been aware of their existence but have never uh had the time or initially the interest to, to go check them out. But I shot last year and driving the bathers, it's an hour there and an hour back. So two hours on a week night spent just in traveling plus two hours at the range. I mean, that's four hours. That's a lot of time to, uh, to, to commit to during the week. So I need a kind of an alternative, but it's only one night a week and the range isn't exactly super long. It's, it's just barely, maybe 19 yards not even 18 meters so anyway but real nice guys um kind of kind of weird they knew who i was when i got there the executive and they were like oh thank god you're here we were actually gonna call you and ask you to join this year i was like oh uh, okay thanks Um, (laughs) i just wanted to kind of come in and and stay back and just kind of blend into the furniture but unfortunately they didn't allow me to do that i got the grand tour i got to see all their stuff and some questions were asked and at the beginning of the practice session, the, um, treasurer for the club was giving the, uh, ma- match briefing, range briefing. He was giving a briefing to the members, reminding them of, um, the, how the range, the archery range functions and, and the commands and the ceasefire and the emergency action plan and all that good stuff. And then he, he says something to the effect we have a special guest here tonight that's going to be joining our club. And he starts to ramble off my, my resume and invites me to come up and introduce myself. So I got up and, and told them who I was and said a few words and whatnot. So it was kind of interesting. Then it was like, okay, great. And then, so now I got to stand on the line. These people have heard my archery resume and then I'm a coach and what I did as far as shooting and stuff. And thank God my first arrow was just a pinhole, perfect dead center shot. (laughs) And I was like, all right, it's good. I'm going to sit down now, quit on my head and, uh, there were some there were some sloppy ones in between but the first 3 were amazing and the last 3 were amazing so I I went home pretty happy but I got the bug hard last night to get back into target archery. I think I mentioned before that the um current coordinator of the coaching program for archery in Brunswick's retiring and I'll be replacing him. So I'll be the one actually teaching the coaching certification classes for the province and then hopefully taking over as our provincial coach and coaching the Canada Games program and 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 team. And, uh, so this morning I talked to my old sponsor who was, uh, I used to shoot for a shop out of Fredericton back in 2010 called the Atlantic Archery Center. So I sent him a text this morning asking about a couple of items that I need to pick up. And then I said, you don't know where I could get a sponsor, do you? And that was it within 10 minutes I had a, uh, a spot as a staff shooter for his store. I got a brand new 2016 bow coming. That'll be mine to, to shoot. Oh, nice. And uh yeah, so I'm a staff shooter again, just like that. So that was pretty cool. So I'm going to have to get the stages for summer squared away and, and get all that put aside so I can concentrate on archery again this winter. And then the summer will be Ipsic and then the winter will be archery, especially next year where I take over the coaching coordinators job full time. So Yeah. Um, the bow that I've got on order is a PSE expression. It's a target bow from PSE. It's a brand new bow to the market this year. And it's not like anything that PSE has put out before. It looks sexy. Looking at this bow is the same as looking at like a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. As far as I'm concerned, the lines are just, just gorgeous. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then today I went to the range after work to shoot the squirrels friends challenge. Stacy, you're commie. So is Brian Bolivar, actually. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right.
0: Yeah. I mean, dude, it's hard, man. <laughs> it is a challenging uh, challenge, but uh, I am still going to spank it. And Brian thinks that he's got me beat, but i he's either high or he had a stroke. Luckily, he called me, and so I know he didn't have a stroke. He wasn't all strokey on the phone or anything, but... Um, Yeah, man, it's challenging. You should get out and try it, Matthew, and you too, Adriel. Uh, I love these challenges, and uh, I don't do enough of the rifle ones, as in I've only done one, maybe two, but the pistol ones are always good, but they're not easy. I was like, five yards, that's a joke. Yeah, whatever. Good luck. <laughs> you're trying to put two bullets into an apple on a minion's head, and the bullet is just barely big enough for two bullets, so it's a lot of fun. It will humble you if you think you're a crack shot. Get out there and give this a try. And then on the way home, um, I guess I got some takeout, kind of. <laughs> I'm driving on the highway <laughs> on the way home from the range, and there's a transport in front of me that I'm aching to pass. And all of a sudden, I see this thing come up flying out of the ditch and hit the transport and, and bounce off. And I'm like, Gross! Slam the brakes! It took me about thirty seconds to get the car off the road, turned around, and I'm gutting a gross on the side of the Trent, Canada Highway, just outside of
2: Hamilton. Very nice. So yeah, step
0: on, <laughs> pull off the head, throw that on the yellow line, step on the wings, pull the feet, throw that over in the middle of the lane. People are driving by, and I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty excellent. And uh, yeah, took it home, cooked it up, had it for supper. Cool. How, how about you, Adriel? What have you been up to? <laughs>
4: Oh gross, that sounds good. Um yeah, so uh oh what did that I've been in Saturday night. Saturday night I reloaded uh, about a thousand rounds of nine millimeter. That was using the uh uh Canada ammo or those those Dominion primers, the small rifle primers. Um we had tested with about fifty of those before, found uh, I think two uh two failure failure to fires. They just did they weren't hitting the primers hard enough. So I figured that might have been my, my buddy's MMP Pro because he's got like the all factory springs in there. Um, whereas mine had, uh, an aftermarket striker spring on it. So I thought mine would be different and, uh, it, uh, it wasn't. So Tuesday night I went out, uh, with him to the Phoenix, uh, gun range and, uh, just did some target practice and started to see that, uh, yeah, my, my, uh, striker isn't, isn't hitting those primers hard enough either. And, uh, I'm getting about, well, one failure out of every say 15, 20 rounds so not really good enough for uh, for competition but i'm glad i'm not in your shoes trevor cuz i wouldn't want to be pulling all of those rounds cuz a thousand's uh, quite a bit um and you know I-, I think just for the ammo that i've made uh, i've got a buddy with uh, a cz that i think i'm going to pawn these off on and see if they reliably fire in his pistol and if they do fantastic and if they don't maybe i'll have to uh i don't know maybe i'll just use it as an excuse to get like a jr carbine in uh, in 9 millimeter or something um, but that's uh, that's pretty much it. I got out and shot that ammo. Um, now I have to find some more cheap small pistol primers and a whole mitt full of them.
2: Yeah, sometimes finding finding the components you need is the most frustrating part of shooting.
4: It's too bad because they were so inexpensive. Yeah, I really wanted them to work. They're like half yeah. the price.
0: And, and like I say, maybe it's an older batch because I heard in the beginning they were hard, but now there are guys in New Brunswick that are getting them saying they're fine.
4: Hmm. So it's a I pretty don't know. recent batch. Like I don't know. Yeah, it, it, who knows? But um, I if think there's
0: a way to track the lot number.
4: Yeah. That
0: would that would tell you for sure.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I I can use it for two, two, three. I can use it for nine millimeter. That uh, that's like a, a carbine run. So I'm I'm still happy with it. I'll still use those primers. There's no such thing as uh, as components that don't get used in my house. So they'll get exactly. used somehow, some way. Exactly. And they were cheap.
0: <laughs> cool. Okay. That's it for you. Another another busy week.
4: Got yes. It. No. You're yeah. good. Yeah, I'm okay. good. That's it for me.
0: All right. Let's jump into some upcoming events then. We have a steel match in New Brunswick that Mo Hepworth, former host of uh, Action Shooting Radio, is putting on. It's going to take place on November 8th. Registration and safety briefing briefing is at 9.30 a.m. Holster usage is required, but then later on it says that it's not. If you absolutely don't have one, they will try and accommodate you with a table start or something. So holster usage required, extra mag needed. You should have means to carry the mags as well. Uh, there'll be approximately 40 steel uh, falling steel targets on one stage. It'll be a timed event. 20 ru- 20 bucks equals four runs at the steel. It's a non-ipsic event, um, so it's open to anyone with a holster qualification, law enforcement or military, etc., or who have participated with experience in ipsic, CDP, IDPA, cowboy action shooting, etc., or even PPC. The divisions for this event will be iron sights, red dots. Minimum thirty-eight caliber, no rim fire. Sorry, Matthew.
2: Yeah, I'm out.
0: Should anyone desire to shoot a stage without a holster, uh, they'll do their best to accommodate your participation. Contact Mo to pre-register, or for information at nbammunition at gmail.com.
4: And which uh, which range is that at?
0: I only read. You know, I can't tell you what they don't tell me, right?
4: <laughs> it, <laughs> That's a good price. 20 bucks for, what, 160 rounds if you hit with every shot? So, what, 200 rounds?
0: I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hazard a guess and say that it's at the Kapolei or Pettikodiak because those are the two ranges that Mo shoots out of. But the email address is there. So if you're local or even if you're in Nova Scotia, you can find out which range by emailing Mo at nbammunition at gmail.com. We've got another annual event that'll be taking place at the Rescueish Gun Club that we'd like to um, tell the listeners about. It was briefly mentioned in the past, but starting this year, we will be holding the first annual Ronnie DeGroote Rock Out with Your Glock Out Steel Challenge. That'll take place on June 4th, 2016 at the Rescueish Gun Club. It's going to be an all-steel match, which will include the regular steel challenge stages, like, um I think it's called Smoke and Hope or Poke and Hope... um uh, I accelerator, I forget the names of all of them, but the actual legitimate steel challenge stages that are shot in um world steel challenge competitions in the United States steel, steel challenge you can download them off the internet showing you how to set them up and uh, the distances etc. And then we're going to throw in some fun steel courses as well like uh you know uh three boxes, three shooting positions, plate rack, move to the next box, uh popper Texas star, another popper, go to the next shooting position, plate rack, stuff like that. We're going to make it a fun day shooting steel. And this is, um, the, the, uh, this is going to be a fundraiser in memory of Ronnie DeGroote. Ronnie DeGroote, unfortunately him and his wife lost their lives in a tragic motorcycle accident in June of 2015. And, um, they were, um, uh, long time members of the rescue gun club and tremendous volunteers, not only in our club, but in the community. And uh, Ronnie worked very hard for the uh, Snowmobile Club as well. So we're actually going to be holding this event in his memory to raise money for the Snowmobile Club, which he was a, a proud, hardworking member of. So that's the first annual Rock Out With Your Glock Out Steel Challenge. Ronnie Groot Steel Challenge. Ronnie was a Glock shooter, and he loves to shoot um, steel as well in Steel Challenge matches. So we hope that uh, we'll have a nice turnout. And uh, raise some money for a, a charity or a club that was near and dear to Ronnie's heart in an effort to honor his memory. So we hope to see you there. Speaking of charities, the sixth annual—can you believe it's been six years already?
2: Yep, six years.
0: The first one was you and Anderson and Andrew Craig and uh, like seven other people sitting around a big <laughs> table with a, with a recorder. At the end of the day, that's how it, that's how it started, and that was Wounded Warriors, I believe, was the first one, wasn't it? Yes, not? it was. Yeah. Yeah, so here we are, six years later. We're back in Ontario again. I think this will be the this will be the third one in Ontario, so that's awesome. So we've had three and three now. Um, this year's charity is going to be uh, Soldier On. It's going to take place on the 25th of June in Kingston, Ontario, at the Brockville District Fishing Game Club. The hosts over at New Shooter Canada are responsible for this, and they're doing a fantastic job. They've gotten a lot of sponsors to come on board. They're working on other sponsors. Um, for us, I'm sure it's going to be a nearly a week long event. I hope. <laughs> anyway, we're going to make a couple of days out of it, uh, for sure.
2: Yeah, team, I would think so. We'll be leaving team, basically uh, as soon as the bell rings on Friday, right? You got it.
1: Team for, Latch,
0: <laughs> team for Latchy and, and Jewel will, uh, be piling into the old Sonic. And, uh, if there's anything left to it by then, <laughs> and, and note there to, to help raise money and, and visit, uh, visit with our awesome, Podcasting friends and meet some new listeners. If you're interested, contact New Shooter Canada uh, at their email or check out their events page on uh, on Facebook. Handgun Fundamentals One. This will be a basic fundamentals class teaching you how to run your pistol and how to shoot the fundamentals of stance, grip, um, manipulating your firearm, loading, unloading, uh, mag changes, and uh, how to shoot precisely. Trigger press, side alignment. The basics of, uh, of marksmanship, really, that'll carry through to all other kinds of shooting. It's going to, uh, take place in St. Paul, where they actually have a UFO landing pad. So, um.
2: That's know, where I'm landing the Ultralight.
0: Yeah. If you, uh, Scully and Malder want to pop by, there's a place for you to, to land your craft. It's going to be on August 6, 2016. Cost is $200 per person. Are there, in fact, four, four spots available? I was four looking spots. at the list. There so are there four are spots. four spots available so because yeah. we is that there are people on the list that simply haven't
2: four that's correct the money there more? are there are sixteen people on the list fifteen. Okay are we're taking and 11 have paid so one person on the list is getting bumped so if you're on the list and you want in you better hurry because one of you isn't gonna make it (laughs)
0: right well jeff i'm sending jeffries a text as we
2: speak well he's not even on the list so that's gonna even
0: know because although he works at the calgary shooting center he's a commie because he doesn't listen anymore
2: what i know well then he doesn't deserve to come Oh, uh, I'm not going to say that to his face when I'm there and he's yeah. there and whatnot. Yeah. But through the through the protection of radio, I will. <laughs> I will totally Key- say that.
0: Keyboard tough guy.
2: Yeah, it's me. So um,
0: yeah. So anyway, there are four spots left. If your name's on the list, and you haven't paid, you want one of those spots to be you. Better yep, hurry, and we'll get you in there. Yep. Um, and then uh, the foreign invasion, 2016 in Coyote Springs, Tucson, Arizona, on January 28th, 30th. Total of 500 skeets. Go to (laughs) www.coyotespringsclays.com for more information about that uh, fun uh, clay shooting type event. So, news. Adriel, how would you like to bring us the first news item, please?
4: The first one? uh, That's the uh, Canadian Patriot podcast that's uh, started. I think we mentioned that last week. Um, We did, yeah. Yeah, um, the Andrew second Vincent. one there.
0: But, you oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's not give Go let's ahead. not give Andrew too much love. He started a Canadian podcast, but apparently he doesn't listen to any Canadian podcasts. I don't even know if he knew we were out there. Huh. Well, that's well, that, you know what? I can't put too much stock in that because I heard that from Thomas Donnelly. So, <laughs> huh. yeah, I heard him say it on News Shuter Canada, but that don't make it true.
4: All right, so yeah, sorry. Carry on. Uh, yeah, the second piece here, there's, there's just an update on the, uh, the Spruce Grove sh- uh, shooting range that's getting shut down. Um, we had mentioned that last week, and, uh, now there's a petition going around on change.org. Um, we've shared it out on our Facebook page as of now, so it's, it's up on, uh, the Slamfire Fire Radio's Facebook page, which, uh, if you don't like, you should. And, uh, yeah, we'd encourage everyone out there to sign it because we do need to show that county that's, it's mistake that, um, shutting that range down. They were there first. There's no reason why. Uh, neighbors get to move in, and then all of a sudden start complaining about the shooting range that they moved in next to.
2: Yeah, that's just silly. We th- we talked about this last week where, you know, moving, I-, I bought a house by a train track. See, Trevor said this, but I also bought a house by a train track. I still haven't complained to CN Rail because the train track was there first. It's, it's, it's literally the same thing. Gun range was there first, then you build your house next to it, and then you complain about the noise? Come
4: on, wake up. Anyway. Exactly. Well, maybe we can show that we're displeased with it by getting a bunch of names on a petition. I don't like. I don't. I don't know if we're going to actually make any impact here, but it's it's good to know that they know that we're pissed yeah, off. Yeah,
2: it's worth being involved in this. Definitely. Cool. All right. We've lost Trevor, apparently. No, no, oh. you haven't. All right.
0: I'm still here. I'm mourning for Spruce Grove.
2: Okay. So. Well, it's a radio show, so you got you gotta mourn a little bit more noisily.
0: You couldn't hear the look on my face?
2: I I couldn't hear the look on your face, no.
0: With a face for radio, I thought it would shine through, but uh, (laughs) very good. Well, how about this, and how about we we talk about some really awesome Canadian-made non-restricted black rifles as a main
4: topic? Sounds like a plan. All right, let's get into it. And next we have Rick from Alberta Tactical Rifle Supply. Welcome, Rick. Thank you. Um, and so, Alberta Tactical Rifle Supplier, or ATRS, as you know, as, as many call it online. You guys uh, build precision rifles. You're based here in Alberta, like me. Um,
1: how'd you get into it? I've been interested in firearms my whole life. Um, I started shooting competitively at about eight years old, and uh, ended up starting Alberta Tactical as a retirement project, and it's just kind of blossomed into a full-time business again. <laughs> so a lifelong interest that uh, became a hobby that became a job.
4: Wow, that's cool. That's it's kind of nice when uh when your passion and your your job be, become the same thing, right?
1: It's it's been really great. Um the challenges have been significant, but the rewards have been exponential.
4: And uh, and what kind of um what kind of products do you guys pr- primarily uh, uh do you guys manufacture, do you retail, distribute like uh, what's what's the full breadth of uh of what you guys focus on?
1: A bit of everything um we started off or I started off as a, as a singular uh, about 20 years ago and we now got a staff <clears throat> Pardon me a staff of twelve. We've gone from my doing all of the the minor machining and the gunsmithing and the fitting and this kind of stuff into basically full-on production we uh, we buy you know bar stock and turn it into actions we buy plate aluminum turn it into uppers and lowers uh, for. AR-15 style rifles, our newest creation, the modern hunter and modern environment. Uh, we build scope rings and rails, do some work for the law enforcement agencies insofar as suppressors, weird stuff that they want that isn't applicable to the civilian market but very specialized for their needs. So we've, we've got a small retail component here at the shop, and 90% of our shop, uh, our floor space is dedicated to machine shop. Uh, support about a dozen different little dealers across camera that carry our, our base products like rings and rails and so on. But um, basically, our whole niche in the industry is real high quality precision firearms, both in a bolt action and a semi-automatic format.
4: Awesome. Now, um, in, in terms of the, the rails and that kind of thing, do you guys primarily build for the uh, the Remington 700 action?
1: Remington is is still the biggest um, aftermarket supply. Uh, we build them for rails for savages and tika's uh Benelli products but predominantly the Remington footprint i mean it's it's what everybody builds on
4: yeah definitely and i think uh i think a lot a lot of people definitely right now um there's a lot of excitement around one of your guys rifles the uh the modern hunter um which is like a a non-restricted uh, semi-auto uh, I don't know if you call it a full power, but like 308 kind of class uh, cartridges. How did you guys get yeah. the idea for that, and 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 kind of how did how did you get in,
1: get into that? Well, the, the the thing that kind of dawned on us this this project goes back six years, and um, we wanted to come up with a semi-automatic that could be used as a hunting rifle, and was a little bit more modern than what's currently available in a non-restricted manner. And I mean, by more modern, I'm thinking. 1950s. It's it's ridiculous when you think about it. I mean, Stoner Mm. uh, came up with the design for the AR-15 in the 50s, and it was finally adopted as a a useful firearm in the early 60s. And after that, it's pretty much stalled. Anything that's uh, semi-automatic, that kind of resembles the AR-15, automatically gets the the big paintbrush of of death being, oh, it's restricted because it's a, a black gun. And uh, so having danced around with the uh, the RCMP folks, sort of started to figure out, okay, this is how you guys think. Uh, what can we do to basically modify Stoner's design enough that they can't say, oh, it's an AR-15 variant or an AR-10 variant um, without having to go 100% proprietary. So a little bit of fooling around and trial and error and seven different prototypes We finally got it past them that, yeah, this is not an AR variant at all. It's part FN, it's part G3, it's part AK, it's part AR. Therefore, it's, you know, the only thing you can paint it as a variant of is the original black powder piece of pipe with a stick on it that was created in China in the 14th century. (laughs) And, And it flew. So... We kind of purposefully uh, did everything we could to make it as unassault rifle as possible. I mean, the, the version that we sent to them um, for analysis or, or classification, if you will, did not have a flash lighter because I mean, that's a military. Uh, no forward assist because, again, that's a military thing. Uh, we went with a proprietary trigger that there's absolutely no way without a lot of machine work you can make this thing. By changing parts into a full auto, Uh, it won't marry up with any other AR fifteen AR ten variant at all. So and it worked. So then the next step in the in the progression was to make it accurate, at least as accurate as you can with an automatic. And uh, so far, it's to be fulfilling the bill.
4: And what kind of uh, what kind of options and uh, build like what kind of build options do you offer for people? Because this isn't just like a a rifle you can buy off the rack. You kind of have to select your options that you want for it to uh, to, to to go into the build, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, each and every one is an individual. Uh, the, the options, we've got two different styles of barrels, um, a match-grade stainless steel barrel in three different contours and two different lengths. And then uh, the folks on Proof Research were kind enough to... Uh, build a specific barrel for us in eighteen point six inch barrel which is just slightly over the minimum length to be non-restricted um, out of carbon fiber composite which gives you the benefits of the very heavy profile barrel at half the weight uh, down double double cost but wow. uh, it's the choice of technology so you know you've got the options on barrels you've got five different calibers that we're offering it in that are all loosely based on the 308 platform so 243 up to 338 federal, with just about every stop in between. Um, the reason we stuck with that um, parent cartridge just for the magazine and the bolt heads. Um, we had a bunch of guys asking us to do different stuff, but it's just not compatible. As far as furniture goes, um, there's several different options in buttstocks, and I know that there's a lot more options that we don't carry, but anything that will fit or virtually anything. It'll fit an AR-10. Will fit this. Same thing with the the forend furniture. If it'll fit the DPMS height, upper most forend furniture will fit. So you've got the the Lego basically of uh, the the Lego appeal of the AR-15, AR-10, but now in an unrestricted platform.
4: Yeah, and, and done with, uh, I guess a level of precision that, uh, is difficult to get in, in a lot of the other non restricted rifles out there that, uh, that are semi auto. Cause, I mean, there, there are other semi auto, uh, 308s, but, uh, like there's the XCRM, there's the RFB, um, oh, I don't know which other ones there would be out there in terms of like a, uh, um, ergonomic, uh, something that would be, that would be fun to, to shoot at the range and go hunting with. Um, but I, I, I don't think that you'd be getting the accuracy out of those
1: platforms that you'd be getting out of this one, correct? I, I don't think that the, the XCR or the RFP were ever really intended to be a precision rifle. Um, the AR-10 platform, when it's built properly, can be a very accurate platform, and this is what we were striving for. We didn't want to get into the spray-and-pray mentality. We're I mean I built this business based on precision firearms, and to end up putting out um, a semi-automatic that was you know, kind of geared towards cyclic rate rather than accuracy just didn't appeal.
4: Yeah, exactly. So um, that's, that's the modern hunter. Um, are you looking at, at doing any kind of variants or any, uh, any other versions of that rifle?
1: As a matter of fact, yes. Um, the RCMP has our latest version, which is a scaled-down modern hunter that we've tagged the modern varmint and uh, they've got it on their bench now. We've uh, been privy to a couple of phone conversations that because it's identical to the Modern Hunter but just 30 percent smaller, it'll be a non-restricted rifle. We're just waiting for the FRT paperwork to be presented to us so that uh, we can to full production. I don't want to be done yet though.
4: Yeah, that'd be cool. That's because that would be uh, that would be an accurate. Uh, non-restricted two-to-three semi-auto. That would be that would be really sweet for coyotes and that kind of thing. Because you don't want to use a spray-and-pray uh, semi-automatic on on coyotes and other varmints. Because the uh, I guess the target's really small, right? So you, you you do need that accuracy to hit anything at distance.
1: I've shot a lot of coyotes, and they're not as easy to kill as one would think. You've got a lot of fur in a small kill zone, so yeah, to have some precision, um, definitely. I think advan- uh, is an advantage to the to the hunter. Um, the old days of the mini fourteens and so on, the first or second shot to get close, and then hopefully the third one does the job. But you know, we're we're hoping to to end up delivering the accuracy as close to a bolt gun as possible. I mean, will these ever be as accurate as a bolt gun? No, they won't be. There's just too many moving parts. But we're seeing between half and three quarter minutes accuracy out of the modern hunter. I don't see any reason not to see something similar to that or better out of the two two three version. Um where we're seeing this this going is for the guys that want to shoot coyotes and gophers and so on year round and not have the problems of the restricted part that an AR fifteen has with it.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean if if you're getting half MOA to three quarters, that's gonna extend your, your coyote distance to like that three, four hundred yard mark that you, you really can't uh uh Ethically, get into if, you, if your rifle's a, a 2 to 4 MOA semi auto, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
4: That's cool. And are you guys looking at uh, offering that one in 223? Uh, two, two, and uh, uh, are, are, would you guys be looking into 300 Blackout or any of the other ones that are kind of based on the same case size? The
1: problem with 300 Blackout is the, um, the liability. If someone were to load, because there's so much of it av- around, subsonic 300 blackout in an 18 plus inch barrel the chances of the projectile leaving the muzzle are diminished and being a semi-automatic a lot of guys tend to double tap now you've got a gun blowing up in your face I just don't need the liability Uh, the premiums we pay monthly to Lloyds of London are absolutely I can only imagine how obscene they would get if we had an accident so nope it'll be 223 223 or (laughs) 223
4: The selection, any color as long as it's black.
1: (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. The Henry Ford thinking, it worked. (laughs) I
4: I do have a request, Rick.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
4: Not a 300
0: Blackout fan, mostly because there hasn't been a use for it. Now, you know, in theory, if we could hunt with it, and your platform does give us that potential possibility of hunting with it, but I really don't even believe in it so much as a hunting round. But I am a big fan, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not. A lot of people aren't. I'm a big fan of the 7.62x40 that Wilson came out with. Are you familiar with that round?
1: Not terribly, to be honest with you.
0: It's, it's I've a heard neck. Of it, it, but it, I
1: haven't it, really down.
0: You take a 5.56 case, you trim off 5 mil, and neck it to a 7.62 projectile. That's the 7.62x40. And, uh, they're, they're toting it, uh, as a perfect hog round. And, uh, looking at the numbers compared to 5.56, compared to 300 Blackout, um, in what little experience I have looking at the technical data, it, it I mean, it's got better numbers. It's got better terminal, it's got better velocity, it's got better ballistics, it's got better kinetic energy. Um, if you ever come out with a rifle and that caliber is non-restricted, I want serial number 001, please.
1: Nope, sorry. <laughs> That'll never happen. Not okay, because of the caliber, because every gun that we've ever produced, I own as number one. Can I there can I have
0: numbers? Can I have one A or even two? Possibly. All right. We can we can work on that. All right, excellent. Thank you.
4: Would you guys be looking at uh, this this is all like super early anyways because you guys are still getting on working on getting the F R T for the for the bar meter, but um and I guess this this kind of plays into the the, the, the explaining the difference between the modern hunter and the modern varmintor. but would you guys be looking at fifty Beowulf?
1: No. Uh, again liability. I, I have an allergy to lawyers. They're, they're great clients, but I hate being dragged into court for using stuff that you can't. Beowulf is a patented, trademarked name of Alexander Arms, and we've explored the possibility of building a Beowulf, um, as well as Beowulf mags, and they just flat-told us, "Yep, yeah, go ahead, do it. We'll just sue you.
4: Hmm.
1: Uh, I don't need that action. Yeah, uh, You know, it's, even to get a reamer you have to end up getting permission from Alexander Arms to get a reamer manufacturer to produce a reamer for you. So, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah,
4: and I, I guess your your higher power rounds, you're, you're handling with the modern hunter anyways, with 308 and 338 Federal and that kind of thing.
1: Well, yeah, we are. And to end up stepping on someone else's toes knowingly uh, just doesn't make any sense because any time you get involved in a lawsuit, it's always the lawyers that win. So I'd rather just avoid any kind of litigation possible.
4: Yeah, awesome.
1: Um, well, that's really
4: cool. So, um, do, do you do you have any ideas as to what kind of timeline you're looking at for uh, for getting those out?
1: We're hoping that within the next month we'll have all of the paperwork and we can get into production.
4: Wow, excellent. Yeah. Are you are you guys um, selling a lot of the the modern hunters right now?
1: We got about 300 of them out in the world, which for a little tiny shop like us with a gun that was realistically not even available, um, we started taking pre-orders to fund the project in August of 2014. But we couldn't release anything until mid-January of this year um, because we didn't have the final FRT. The RCMP decided they wanted to have a re-inspection of the production models rather than just the prototypes. So that kind of set us back, but to, for a little tiny shop like ourselves to put out three hundred, well, yeah, but three hundred, three hundred and twenty guns in a nine month uh, time frame
4: is significant. Yeah, sounds like you guys are pretty busy.
1: Yeah, that's an understatement.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, are, are there any other um, kind of rifle platforms that you guys are that you guys build out there?
1: We do a precision bolt action um, based kind of roughly on a 700 footprint. It's a, it's a different action as far as the engineering into the bolt, uh, or sorry, the ejection port. It's got some angles in it that gives the action a lot more structure. Um, we've gone to a larger bolt than what the 700 has. We employ the MC extractor. So, uh, just a real precision um, action. We do two different um, sizes. We do one that's uh, we code an infidel because that's it seemed right at the time um, we didn't want to offend anybody but it seemed right at the time and it's basically 308 size um, that doesn't mean it has to be a, a 308 only but anything based on a, on a mid-size cartridge and then we do the maverick which is a full magnum so 300, 338 Lapua, that kind of stuff um, it's all built right here in-house the only part of the scenario that we don't do on these actions is the salt bath night finish
4: oh, that's really cool so it's, it's a it's an in-house action do you guys sell the actions by themselves or do you do no, you we
1: just put them we in can't still the build rifle? fast enough uh, We get inquiries from guys wanting to you know take the action someplace else to get the rest of the gun built We've got such a backlog on our bolt guns that I just I can't make them fast enough to offer them out uh, for sale and it's a horrible position to be in, but I just don't see it
4: change. Yeah, horrible situation, but it's 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 always good to have more customers than product and, and have that much demand for your products, I guess,
1: right? Yeah, it'd be nice to be able to, to service everybody, but unfortunately I think it's an unrealistic goal. Yeah, you know, I'd rather uh, keep doing what we're doing, because each and every one of these, uh, even even with the semi-automatics, they're all hand-fitted. Uh, it's one person from start to finish on the gun, uh, you know i don 't want to cut corners i 've seen other manufacturers, and this is a small industry. We know pretty much everybody that 's a player in it. and i 've seen you know um, companies that have kind of gone with, well, you know we can make more money if we make more products, but you 'll always see a degradation in the, the overall quality. It may be just a small degradation, but it 's still there, and i don 't want to go down that road. Um, we're we're pretty adamant around here that we're not the cheap guys. We don't want to be the cheap guys. We just want to be the best guys. And the only way that you maintain the quality is you take your time and do it right.
4: Absolutely, uh, Trevor and Matthew, do you guys have any questions for Rick?
2: No, I'm uh, I'm good.
4: I'm just as I say, I'm looking forward to a
0: non-restricted uh, rifle chambered in 1062 by 40.
1: I'll take it on an advisement. But Please don't do. hold your breath. <laughs> oh, man. It's an We've amazing a, caliber. I'm, I have no doubts. We had uh, one fellow that sent me a rather long email on the um, advantages of the 20 practical, which you know, I can't, can't deny. There are tremendous advantages that the 20 practical's got. The biggest problem is nobody produces factory ammo. And for a, a firearms manufacturer to start making different wildcats uh, or wildcat offerings it's just opening the door to all kinds of nightmares
0: yeah you're right and that's what has prevented um the flood of rifles or not even the flood but that's what's prevented mainstream manufacturers from offering their rifles in that chambering there's not a lot of mainstream manufacturer support for that caliber yet you have to fabricate you can buy brass but it's it's limited it's expensive you essentially have to fabricate your own brass um but it's one of those neat wildcats where people have been talking about for years uh you know oh if we could just somehow marry the 7.62 by 39 with the 556 we have the ultimate we'd have the best of both worlds and and i you know i i'm not i've got a limited amount of experience when it comes to uh black rifles and 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 the calibers that they're chambered in but i like it i think I think it is a really good mix of the two where you get the thirty caliber projectile in the five five six magazine
1: mm-hmm. no I, I can't I can't disagree with you there um if if i If someone were to make six point five by forty seven Lapua factory ammo, I'd love to be able to offer that in our modern hunter. Yeah, I think be that's cool. a fabulous little cartridge, but from a manufacturer's standpoint to end up producing a rifle knowing that the only way you're going to be able to feed it is to hand load it's just it's not a responsible route to go
0: no not a good business move for sure
1: no so um, we stick to you know what's readily available what we know we can make work uh we may look at doing something like um a 20 um oh geez it's gone blank
4: so you guys are looking at you guys offer the the hunter in six point five Creedmoor, right?
1: Yes, we do. Yeah, that's the only, the only reason we do is because Hornady and Nosler both offer factory ammo. Yeah,
4: very popular round,
0: and, and as you said, uh, it's available.
1: Yep, this is the whole thing. I mean, there's I, I think the guys at um, Cheyenne Tactical Rifle screwed up terribly with their 408. If they'd made it in something like a 416, where you could easily get projectiles. I think it would have taken off. But, um, you know, they chose an odd uh, diameter bullet, which really precludes a lot of people from using it. And I, I don't want to go down that road. I want to keep it so that the average Canadian can find ammunition for their gun and use it.
4: Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to to see that modern barometer coming out because... Um I think for, for something like Coyotes where you, you sometimes need that second shot because sometimes there's a second Coyote and you need the precision because they've got a, a really small set of uh, vitals that, uh, that are hard to, uh, hard to hit, um, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to
1: it. Sure, we? I'm hoping maybe by January or February I'll be out with a prototype and, and a call.
4: <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'll be out with my bolt gun and a, a, a call.
1: I'll have backup with a bolt gun just because. Yeah, exactly. I, well, I don't have doubts about what we'll build, but it's been my experience that coyotes get educated real quick.
4: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Rick, where, where do our listeners go to, uh, to find out more information about what you guys do and, and the modern hunter and the modern varminter?
1: So far, there's virtually nothing on our, uh, on our website on the barometer, but we've got just a ton of information of what we do and why we do it and everything that we carry on our website, uh, albertatacticalrifle.com. Um, certainly, you know, we're always available for emails or phone calls. Um, everybody that I've got here is very, very knowledgeable and versed on what we do and why we do it and what's available. So. Anytime anybody has an inquiry, we try to pride ourselves on getting back to them real quick with the information that they're looking for.
4: That's great. Well, uh, on, on behalf of all the guys here at Slamfire, I, I just wanted to say thanks for uh, for coming on and, and taking this interview.
1: Oh, Thank you so much for calling.
0: How cool was
4: that, guys? I
2: that mean, was pretty it, neat.
0: Yeah. I mean, we don't have. I mean, they you know, they were doing great things before, and then they come out with a non restricted 308, and now hopefully, uh, soon we'll have access to a smaller version, you know, the kid brother, the 556. Yeah. And, and I want something non restricted that is as close to an AR as we can get that has the same manual of arms. Uh, and I think this might be it as we know the Caltech SU16 sucks. Um, Brian confirmed that this week on, uh, Modern Rifleman Radio. Uh, a new shooter showed up to shoot a service conditions match and he was trying to do it rather unsuccessfully with an SU-16 that didn't even have the pistol grip stock on. Ooh. Which, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. the bolts, the, the charging handles on the wrong side, the safety's in a funky location. Um, we've got other non-restricted, um, options. The VZ, totally different manual of arms. The, uh, XCR really heavy so hopefully this thing uh will be just the right 5.56 non-restricted rifle we're looking for
2: that's what i'm hoping for i i want something like you said try really close to the ar very light though i I don't want it to be i know it's going to be a hunting rifle so it's going to have a heavier barrel but i don't want it to be super heavy like the xcr i want it to be something that's very manageable something that you could actually use in three gun yeah you know that would be that'd be really ideal
0: It'd be great if you could have it—the weight of an of an S Q sixteen, but with a lot less turd, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and something with caliber conversion clips would be great too. So if we did decide we wanted to go, let's okay, now it's deer season. Let's throw in a seven point six two by thirty nine barrel, or uh, let's throw in a six point eight. You know, that would be fantastic, and mm-hmm. you could really increase the versatility.
2: Should be just as easy as swap node an upper. I mean, that'd oh, be really cool.
0: Yeah, bingo, that would be the ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. You get your non-restricted lower and a barrage of
2: uppers. Yeah, just and swap wonder, them out.
0: Now, how about this? Are we getting too silly here if we say, hmm, give me a 10.3-inch upper, and then I have, like,
2: what Oh, I a restricted it. version of it and a non-restricted yeah. version of it? Just by- oh, <laughs> it, just, it, just, it just melted. So you, swap, you put that on, call up to CFC, and tell yeah. them that you're, you know, you, this
0: I'm restricted day, now. <laughs> yeah, this day, I'll, when I put this up or on, I'll carry my restricted certificate on this. No, that's just silly.
4: Yeah, that might get too silly. Well, That'd be cool, though. Of some of the other like, semi-auto 308s, there's the SG-542, which is, again, that's, that's a, a military rifle, so it's not going to have the accuracy. There's you know, your CZ-858s, there's a kel SU-16, Mini-14, XCR, RFB, T-97, t- uh, the Tabor, uh, the Norinco M14. Like... You know, if, if they can get their modern hunters to half MOA to three-quarter MOA, that's more accurate than anything else out there that's semi-automatic and non-restricted. So that's really exciting stuff. Sure I is. concur.
0: Well, speaking of exciting stuff, why don't we jump into listener feedback? And let's, let's uh, start it off. Let's jump right in with an awesome audio submission from our good friend Archie Perry.
3: Hello, Slamfire Radio. It's been a long while since I last called in, but I wanted to share with you and your listeners some amazing anecdotes that I've experienced recently. First of all, I've signed up for your handgun basics class, and I'm excited to learn how to use a gun. I have so many guns, and I can't hit the broadside of a berm. Hopefully you guys can help me change my ways. Second, I've recently acquired some new guns, such as my new beloved Mosin Nagant, 1932 and 7.62x54R i bought this gun thinking of the lost lives the adventure the cold war and all the things that this antiquity must have seen plus i was drunk internet shopping and it had russian writing on the side of the stock surely i said this must be some amazing note scribed by a lost soul of the soviet army a man needed to pass along some vital information to future generations of surplus acquisitors desperate to feel a, a part of the days and times gone by lucky for me my brother married an attractive russian not the mail order variety But she still reads Russian. Behold, the Russian characters and the upside-down English alphabets inscribed on the stock read, and I quote, Jacob's gun. Last I checked, Russians don't generally name their kids Jacob. Maybe it's a $150.1938 paperweight. No matter. I'm going to shoot it and love it like I do all my guns. There's no hate here. On to some serious topics, though. I know many of you internet radio gun types like to discuss home defense and gun-related what to do when a home invasion is real and your life is on the line. Blah, 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 blah. Generally in Canada, we're hamstrung by the, these rules that keep the guns in the closet locked and the ammo in the bedside table separate from the guns. F- you, Wendy. Well, I had an incident not so long ago where an individual broke into my home at 12.30 a.m. while I was sleeping in bed. I was alerted by my roommate banging on my door. He told me that this guy had broken in and was attacking him. So I jumped out of bed, tired, I confused, and there was this kid in my hallway upstairs. I don't know why he chose my house to break in or why he was trying to attack me, but with no time to think, I charged him and slammed him into the wall with all my weight, and I pinned him down. Lucky for me, I'm fat and as heavy as a football player, so holding him down was easy. Next, we phoned 911, where they asked me for my name, my birthday, and my address, my complaint, his name, his age, it, does he have any weapons, do I have any weapons, are there any drugs, etc., 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 While avoiding the questions I didn't want to answer and telling her as much as she needed to know to get the cops down as soon as possible, I was still holding this guy down. So here I am trying to be a good citizen and answering questions, all while holding down this violent intruder who keeps trying to attack my roommate, and every time I eased off, he tried to get free. I don't know why, but fortunate for me, he never once tried to hit me or get away from me. He was only interested in my roommate. Luckily, he had no guns or knife, which was very fortunate. From the time I phoned the police to when they arrived, was 11 minutes. 11 minutes of controlling an intruder who had broken into my home in the middle of the night. I am without a doubt fortunate that this guy's intent and constitution was so flimsy and unmotivated. Imagine if he was intent on evil and motivated to accomplish his task. Part of me is glad that my guns didn't factor into the situation, because in the end, they were not necessary, and I would have had a whole Canadian can of worms to deal with if they were out. Part of me is upset that I had to manhandle this scumbag who had no respect for the sanctity of my castle. I wonder if he'd broken into the home of a member in blue if he would have fared so well. I'm definitely upset that it took the cops 11 minutes to get there, when I live only 5 minutes away from the cop shop. It was a frustrating experience that shook me to my core, and I spent some days mulling over what had happened, some sleepless nights thinking about how to best avoid these issues in the future. I can say now that it was a bad experience, but happily not the worst experience of the year which was drunkenly buying a mutilated Mosin from some guy named Jacob. Stay safe out there, your pal, Archie Perry.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: both scary
0: and hilarious. <laughs> at the
2: same time. He, he's, he's good at that. But I uh, no, that is really freaky, having somebody break into your house, and then, you know, what do you do? Well, fortunately, like you said, he just pinned him down and called the cops, and it worked for him, so that's fantastic. I'm glad that it worked out as well as it did, but that is a scary situation.
0: It is, and it's hard to decide. I don't want to armchair quarterback the situation, but some people, and so I'll voice the opinion of those people, I'm sure are saying you should have just let him go. You shouldn't have tried to pin him down. But I believe, if you listen carefully, he said every time he tried to move, or every time he eased up, the guy tried to, to escape, but I don't think it was to escape the situation. I think it was to continue his...
2: Yeah, he said it was to assault. attack his roommate is what he right. said. Anytime he eased up, he tried to attack his roommate. So, I mean, he was he was protecting somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, you you, know, c- you couldn't just let that, him go. Though,
0: prove that though if he accidentally snaps his neck, right? Right. Uh, but, you know, hey, if he wouldn't have come in, he wouldn't have got his neck snapped. There's this that. Is Canada, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter, you know, like, oh man, it could have went so many different shades of ugly that anyway, thank God he's okay. Thank God he didn't have to deploy a firearm. Yep. But if you want the cops to get there faster, uh, Archie, next time say yes. I'm holding them at gunpoint.
2: Yeah. They'll be there in two minutes. <laughs>
0: Don't say that. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I know that I wouldn't have been the play Canadian. I just would have been hurry the F up. Uh, we've got an intruder in the house and it's full on combat. I would hang up, you know. And then the unknown creates the urgency, right? If you yeah. got Archie on the phone, well, okay. He's got control of the situation. You know, a couple of blood-curling screams and hang up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That'll get them there quick.
4: <laughs> yeah. So,
0: anyway, well, luckily, it worked out, and I'm definitely looking forward to meeting Archie in person. He's been listening since all the way back to, I think maybe even before I was a podcaster with with you guys on on Reload Radio.
2: Yeah, he's been around for a while. Yeah, I like so Archie. He's cool. He's always, I
0: remember the 100th episode, he fired guns in his 100th episode (laughs) audio recording, so it doesn't get much better than that. Nope. All right, uh, I'm going to grab this first one from Wes because it's uh, addressed to me, kind of, sort of. Wes says, hi, Trevor. The two ranges I shoot at in Michigan offer both high power and small bore. He's referring to silhouette. Last week, he wrote in talking about being a silhouette shooter, and I asked what he was shooting. So far, I've only participated in small bore, as it is later in the day and cheaper to shoot. I do have a Savage Model 11 in 708. Maybe that's a typo and should be 308,
2: but... No, no, it's a 7-08, oh, 7mm-08.
0: Are you joking with me right now? No, I'm pretty this... sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was a typo. I, you could be messing with me. I don't know, so joke maybe on me.
2: Well, we'll find uh, out. 7mm-08? Yeah.
0: No, it's type 7 7-
2: Dash Dash odd eight. It's seven mil odd eight. I'm sure it is.
0: It is. Okay.
2: Yeah. Or it's three oh eight and it's a typo, one or the other. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) Regardless, it's in a Boyd's prairie hunter stock with a loophole six point five by twenty VX three EFS scope that I'm preparing to use when I make make it into double A in small bore. If I could just thus just trust myself, just Trust myself up in my NRA high-power shooting jacket. I think I could get there a lot sooner. But, as you know, silhouette does not allow artificial support. My small-bore rifle, I believe you would call it a CZ-453 Vermint.
2: We would, yes, CZ, not CZ. And spelled
0: that out, S-E-E-Z-E-D. So, yeah yeah it is a CZ 453 um wasn't um Andrew's rifle a CZ as well?
2: I don't I think, remember. I, but I remember that. Right. I used to have a CZ. Uh I had a 452 though, not a 453 I think.
0: Seems to be a popular choice for small bore silhouette. Yeah. Rifle. May have to it, do with the weight class and it making the weight
2: easier. Well, they they're really good value. Um you get a lot of rifle for not a whole lot of money. I mean they aren't they aren't cheap by any stretch, but they're not super expensive either. But you it, it's it's kind of like you know how the Savage uh, Mark 2s are inexpensive and you get really good accuracy out of them? It's kind of the same thing. They're they're not super expensive. They're a bit more expensive, of course, but you get that much more out of them. They're just really good quality rifles. Excellent. I well, really like mine.
4: Uh, anyone else get annoyed about and and let's let's why don't we talk about our listeners here. Um, 6.5 by 20 or 6.5 220.
2: Um, see that if if that's talking about the variable zoom, it should be six point five to twenty.
4: I think so too. By
2: thirty-two yeah. is the objective. That's so the yeah. multiplier. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The power is the multiplier, right?
2: No, the power. The the power. There's just a dash between the two of them. So six point five to twenty by thirty-two. The thirty-two right. is yeah. the the objective the size. Objective. Yeah, that's okay though, Wes. That was that was well, new guy making fun of you, by the way, Wes. <laughs> just so you know, nameless new guy. Nameless new guy. No, so it's my fault, Wes. I should
0: have caught it and read it correctly to save you the embarrassment of being put on the spot by the new guy. <laughs> hey, Calgary Shooting Center has the hksfp 9 pistols in stock for nine thirty nine. This is the European version of the uh, um, HK VP9 that Daniel Shaw was telling us that he this- was fond of.
2: This live advertisement brought to you by Trevor, reading his Facebook. No, brought to you Facebook, by the
0: Calgary Shooting Center.
2: Reading his Facebook.
0: Reading, his, reading the Calgary Shooting Center post, so right. I'm not a communist. <laughs> all right, who's got the next one before I read another advertisement from the Calgary Shooting Center?
2: Well, you're the lead host. You pick. Uh, all right then, big mouth. Go next. Guys, you are the best. This is from Stan, long-time <laughs> listener. Best. Oh, boy. Simply the best. All right, he says, long-time listener since CRR days, Stan. That's it. That's his email. Guys, you are the best, Stan. Uh, some PSSs. Then he's got some PSs, of course. All right, so PS. By the way, because of you, Trevor, Matthew, and Owen, n- nope. not not Adriel, but anyway, I spent quite a lot of money this year on ipsic gear. You're I joined ipsic in March and can say that I haven't had uh, such fun and didn't meet so many good people since I went to university, so... Thanks a lot.
0: Now yep. I'm just curious. He joined Ipsic, I wonder what he paid. What do you we know. pay here? I don't know. Sixty bucks. That's what yeah. we pay. Sure. I just, yeah. I'm just, I'm yeah. just reminding cool. the rest of Canada how right. inexpensive life is New Brunswick
2: Alright. Uh right. He's got another P.S. here. So P.S. P.S. I, I like how people have been <laughs> coming up find. with different ways of P.S.ing us. That's, that's hilarious. I love it. Welcome to the new guy. Thank you for choosing him. I hope to see Owen back. If he does, it'll be a nice quartet. If not, or sorry, not that I didn't like the trio. So, welcome to the new guy. Is There you go. Yay. Hey. Thank you, Stan. Th- this, is, this is Stan from the Gun Dudes, right? Gotta be. Gotta be. Who else would it be? There's only one Stan in the world.
0: Only someone typing through weepy eyes would put PSPS.
2: Yeah, that's, that's basically it.
0: Mm. Put your Snuggie on
2: and... Let's go to sleep in the corner. Yes.
0: <laughs> All right. Adriel. I got the next one here yeah.
4: from James Bork stocking versus bait versus high fence operations for deer. Wondering if you talk about the differences between the three and what are your options? Why some hunters like one more than the other. Is it ethical to bait? What do you guys think? Which do you prefer and why cheers? And last bit here. Congratulations being the only podcast not sponsored by Squarespace. Yes. I heard it before on your podcast and it needed to be said again. I don't even know what a Squarespace is. I'll work on that, guys. I'll uh, now that he mentioned it. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk to Squarespace (laughs) and uh, making up words
0: again. So um, let's start with um, uh, two, two, two differences between the three. What are your opinions? Okay, so stocking versus bait versus high fence operations. High fence operations is like going to a stocked um, trout pond to fish. It's not hunting. Um, the animals are, are fenced in and they're fed and they put your tree stand over where they're fed and you shoot the one that you like best. So that's, you can't even call that hunting. I, I don't have a problem with it. It, the, you know, it's like, hey, if you can put cows in the feedlot, you can put wild game in a fenced in area to be shot and eaten with an arrow or a spear or a gun or whatever. But I don't, I certainly don't consider it hunting, but, um, more like, choosing your meat at the grocery store before it's processed. I guess that's how I look at that. Uh, stocking versus bait. Um, my opinion is of course hunting over bait is certainly much easier than stocking because you set yourself up for success with baiting. You find either, you know, the food source, the bedding area, whatever, and kind of hide along that area and give them some food and wait till they show up. It's, uh, Only slightly more challenging than high fence because there's no guarantees because there's, you know, the animal, there's not, okay, I'm putting you in this fenced off area and there are 30 deer. You're going to get one eventually. And, and stalking, I think you guys will agree that it's probably the most challenging. Um, I would think so, yeah. Yeah, especially if you're trying to literally find a deer, a trail and uh, some tracks and follow them until you spot them and then shoot them. I don't think there's anything more
4: challenging than that. Of course, there's wind, there's noise, there's smell. So. Walking through the, or trying to crawl through the, uh, long grass with your traditional longbow and, uh, an arrow you made yourself with, uh, flint, uh, broadhead and. I, yeah, if you're shooting.
0: <laughs> if, if you're hunting. Oh, Adriel, go button moment, thank you. If you're hunting, <laughs> if you're hunting whitetail or bear. With a traditional recurve bow, I, I just—I believe personally, and this is my own personal opinion, not the opinion of Slamfire Radio or the Crusader Podcast Network. Uh, I think there's probably only about a, literally a handful of people that I would personally consider qualified to hunt game with a recurve bow or a longbow. As so many animals are, are injured because people uh, think that they're Robin Hood and don't practice and don't uh, don't have a clue what they're doing. And they, I uh, just, I'm not saying you shouldn't hunt with r- traditional archery equipment. I'm saying that you should be damn good at it. Just a story came to me yesterday of someone who lost a deer because uh, they went into the tr- into a tree stand with a traditional bow and they weren't ready. And they probably just injured an animal who's suffering somewhere with a deer and r- an arrow and its romper and its shoulder blade. And it just, it really, really irritates me. Yeah, There's no need for it. No need for it. We have crossbows and we have compound bows and they're made to fit you and there's sights and everything lines up and it's super easy to use that equipment. Why would you want the extra challenge of having no aids whatsoever? You, oh, you want to yeah, some... shoot a longbow? Shoot at a bale of hay. You're not going to do anything unethical or make anything suffer. When you're trying to take the life of an animal, you need to have every advantage that you can to make sure that you don't create undue, necess- undue harm and suffering. And traditional archery is really, really hard to do, and most people suck at it. And if you don't like it, send your hate mail to trevorfurlout at gmail.com because
4: it's true. <laughs> well, I, I, I disagree just a little bit in that um, I think for the right person who starts with a compound bow and uses that technologically advanced uh, piece of equipment to do most of their hunting and starts leveling up their, their skills um, to where they can use a traditional bow accurately – and they limit their shots to within their capabilities, then, you know, go nuts. But uh, I, I definitely agree with you that there's it's, it is a order of magnitude more difficult to hit a target with one of those things with a ton of energy um, compared to a, a compound bow.
0: You know, and Matthew, I'm not picking on you, but Matthew and I were shooting archery in the backyard. And Matthew, didn't your first arrow completely miss the target?
2: Yeah, it went right over the top.
0: And wasn't it inside 10 yards?
2: Yes, it was. Kind of bow. And I've shot bows before. Recurve, yeah, yeah.
0: Recurve, recurve bow. You know, uh they're really hard to master and really hard to be consistently accurate with. And I see enough archer archers, bow hunters, that you know they practice all uh, all month at the archery club, wearing a t-shirt and sneakers, and then they put on all of their hunting gear and they got a face mask and a toque. and and, and they're wearing gloves, and they've never shot in gloves before, and their anchor has changed, and they're missing with compound bows, for crying out loud, that have all the advantages, and it's just, ah.
4: Yep. Well, there you go, James. Uh, Traditional bow versus compound. Definitely take compound out.
0: (laughs) Especially (laughs) if you're, now, if you're going to hunt with a recurve bow, do it inside a fenced area, and then you can find the animal that you injured.
4: Yeah. Yep. Now, in terms of like stalking versus bait versus high fence, I mean, I'm in Alberta here. I can't bait them. Uh, I don't, I've never been high fence hunting. I, I don't have that kind of luxury. And uh, I have stalked, I don't know, I haven't even stalked. I've stumbled across deer before where I'm walking one way and they're walking towards me. And other than that, I just do stand hunting because uh, it's successful and I can be still enough that they can walk up on me and I can get them within range enough to shoot them.
1: Can so you
0: do any? Any kind of lures whatsoever? Can you?
4: You can you know, rattle. Um.
0: What about scents? Like.
4: Yeah. Yeah. We can do sense and that kind of stuff. I don't bother. Just, I just. You just uh, can't hunt over apples. Or Can't carrots. hunt over apples or oat or whatever, whatever people, people do. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys in the U.S. that like, part of, part of this is, part of this that, that I guess, um, can be offensive to hunters is the, the thing you were talking about, the, um, shopping in a supermarket where they go to a high fence operation, and they blast a deer that's, that doesn't even, isn't even scared of them, kind of thing, right? So it's, it's a work involved thing that doesn't really feel like hunting if there's not a lot of work involved. There's guys in the US that, uh, plant out their, their food crops for deer. It's like they're, they're farming just so that they can hunt. And there's a, there's a lot of work that goes into that to prep out their area so that it they are successful when it comes around to hunting season. So,
0: yeah, fa- planting food plots is a huge industry. Um buying the uh, I mean they you're talking they've developed these plants that basically it's like crack for deer. So, although there's no fence on your ranch, the deer know there's a food plot there and they're coming from everybody else's property. So, there's no fence, but and and you're not putting a bait per se because it's it's growing naturally, but you're growing it for the
4: deer. I mean, come on. Yeah, you got a tasty bean plant crop, or or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have any of that, so I, don't, I I I can't pass judgment or anything on it. I know that they put a ton of work into it. And they're they're pretty much farming a crop just for the sake of of hunting deer. So
2: yeah, yeah I got no problem with that. Go for oh, it. Me either doesn't me either bother or me a
0: before. bit. Why does hunting need to be challenging?
2: That's it. I don't see. I. I and and in the, and the same thing, even for the guys who go shoot a fenced-in deer. Look, if that's what you got to do, and that's all you have time to do, and you have the money to do it, I'm still not gonna sniff at you and put my nose up at you. I may not do that myself, but you know, it's it's not really hunting; it's shooting. You get to kill your own animal, and still you still clean it and eat it. You know, great. I, you know, whatever. Yep. It's a business. You know, it's, look. It, as long as you're not breaking any laws,
0: don't care. Don't, don't care. break laws. Don't actually. Don't make the animals suffer. Don't break laws. Yeah. After that, I don't care.
2: No. You
0: know, Muffin and I are talking about raising turkeys this year, this summer coming. And guess how the turkeys are going to get put down.
2: Twenty-two.
0: No, archery. Shotgun.
2: <laughs> archery, <laughs> archery. I figured you'd throw them up in the air and do skeets. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> that's why they call them birds.
2: <laughs> that's because they throw turkeys in the air and uh, shoot yes. them. All right. the, yeah. All right. We got another one here. Yeah, we got one here from the other Kelly. The other Kelly? How many yeah. Kellys do we have? Apparently there's at least two.
0: Okay.
2: Go for it. Oh, it's me? Mm. All right. All right. He he writes, hi, guys. And it yeah, it's a he this time.
0: Yeah, sure. Remember uh, well, the whole morally fiasco?
2: And Jasmine?
0: <sighs> Jasmine.
2: Yeah. Well, we're going to find out. Great episode with Rod Giltaka. I've said it before, but it bears repeating. No one makes gun owners look good like Rod does. He comes across as the most reasonable neighborly guy, intelligent, but not in a snobbish way. He can present a great argument, but while still giving the impression that he's willing to listen to any counter-arguments and consider your point of view. In short, I think he's the right guy to represent the CCFR and gun owners in general, the legal and law-abiding ones anyway. You guys do okay too, but I probably wouldn't brag about how you shot a baby gopher in the face in mixed company. (laughs) Kind of hard to see how you're going to win over any animal lovers to our side with that one.
0: (laughs) No, he's got a point, and Mm -hmm. and I think it's not even really deep down. We know that when we say something like that, it's offensive. We realize that, but we figure that we're just saying it to you guys. But at the end of the day, we know we shouldn't say it, but I think we say it to kind of just ruffle feathers a little bit because, you know,
2: and it's funny. pretty funny.
0: It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, to you, it's offensive to me. It's funny. And that's why I'm happy. And you're not, that's right. kind of my philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> but when my behavior is, um, a reflection of everybody else's behavior, whether that's correct or not, I should keep it in check.
2: Right. Yes. So, yeah, we, we, well, fortunately, I think that's our only faux pas so far.
0: Well, no, um, somebody, and we'll, we'll get to this more next week, but there's an email that I'm waiting to hear back from the author on, uh, and they raised a similar issue where they talked about armed hiking.
2: Oh, yes. You know, I'm,
0: I'm going hunting. I'm not getting anything. So, ha, 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 I'm calling it armed hiking. But an anti could really take that and run with it. Oh my god, this person is technically armed! I didn't realize it. I thought they were hunting, but in fact they're armed. My <laughs>
3: word.
0: Well, yeah, he's open, well, he's open uh, carrying.
2: <laughs> he's open carrying. Where's the Starbucks? You know. Well, you know what the thing is, and and here I'll I'll defend this. The liberals are going to take anything, and they can run with whatever they want, and that's and the thing. They're going to. We don't need to help them though. We don't yeah. need to help them, but at the same time, I'm not going to censor myself and and not say. Stuff like that.
0: Well, we're to- not talking about censoring. We're talking about playing their game. They call everything an assault rifle. We can call everything um, recreational. We can call you know. We can use.
2: Because then we're just getting stuff. into the political argument or the political politically correct arguments. And 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 I don't I I don't want to play the politically correct argument. I don't want to have to be politically correct. I want to be able to say whatever it's, I want to say.
0: It, well, is it? It's not politically correct to call everything an assault rifle. So, I don't know that you know.
2: Yeah, that's true. No, the thing is, it is. That's the problem. We have to correct uh, yeah. that political correctness because people think it's okay to call any gun they want an assault gun.
4: Yeah. I think if if you were taking an, an interview or something like that um, on the CBC, for example, yeah, I mean, you want to, yeah, you yeah, you definitely want to keep things PC and and use the correct terminology and uh, and and represent gun owners in the right way. Um, when we're when we're talking about uh, a podcast like this i don't think we're going to have the impact on um we're not going to make the the cbc call them call them sporting rifles or carbines or something they're going to call them assault rifles if they want to call them assault rifles and we're not going to say anything on this show that's going to make the liberals ban guns they're going to they're going to do it anyways that's, that's there's nothing that we're going to say that that's going to uh all of a sudden tip the hat ooh, act, Matthew's armed hunting or, or armed, uh, hiking. And, and we need to do something about that. They've already, they're going to do what they're going to do anyways.
0: Well, I, I, you know, I think we still have a bit of, uh, an, imp- an influence. Um, there's not a whole lot of, uh, media coverage for our side of the firearms community. Um, uh, while TV is constantly getting beat down and, uh, the hunting shows are constantly getting pulled off of the air and it's becoming more and more difficult for people to get exposure to, uh, media that, uh, covers firearm sports. And so that kind of puts us as podcasters, pro gun podcasters in, in a, uh, in a particular, we have the opportunity to try and make the most positive impact we can. And we know that we've been listened to in the past by some high profile antis. And they could take what we do and use it against us. So we always have to try and be conscious to not give them any ammunition to use against us. I guess is the point that some of the listeners are trying to remind us of.
2: Yeah, okay, well, we'll definitely listen to that for sure, because we don't want to give the antis any ammunition. So, uh but yeah. All right, well, let's continue on with the email. He says, on another note, but somewhat related, I managed to catch new snippets of the Liberals stepping into power and getting sworn in this week. And overall, it seems like there's a sense of cautious optimism in most of Canada. I know you guys are not their biggest fans, and I can understand that. I read over much of their platform, and while I like quite a bit of what they propose in many areas, their uh, plans specifically regarding firearms did make me wince a little. Take a look at page 54 of their plan, the part pertaining to guns. I was wondering if perhaps you could go over it and break down what you thought of each point. (laughs) I don't believe any of us did that, so... Maybe uh, if we get a chance, we can break that down in another episode.
0: But um, remember when we used to have a show meeting before the show for yeah. stuff like this.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: If, it, yeah. huh? I was just gonna say to the to the listener who wrote this, if we had read your email before the show, maybe. But yeah,
2: <laughs> um, I get what they're trying to do. They want to get fearful gun owners to have the impression that they're shoring up any perceived weak spots in our gun laws by putting the control back in gun control. I like how they're promising to invest in stronger border control to prevent as many illegal guns from crossing the border and better funding for anti-gun, er, anti-gang gun anti efforts and try to get uh, what illegal guns are already here off the streets. I'm not as big a fan of repealing parts of C-42 just for the sake of saying screw you to the conservatives. I'd say C-42 is just about the only good thing the Tories ever did. And all this talk about restricted and prohibited weapons freely being transported all over the place, like we all of a sudden have a backdoor concealed carry permit, is just plain misleading. Also, my local gun shop already records every gun purchase and requires people to prove that they have proper permits upon purchase. If Rod and the CCFR does a good job of educating the non-gun-owning public, we shouldn't have to put up with these kinds of tactics forever. Anyway, keep up the great work, love the show, and tell Frosty that he's doing a great job putting up with the two of you. Signs off from Kelly, the other one, you, you know, the the guy one from the West Coast that makes fun of his friends with the twenty two revolver and asks for Dirty Harry impressions, episode 100. Right. Yeah, that Kelly. And by the way, he, he finishes, any chance you guys could quit signing off by saying good night, Kelly, in this super <laughs> creepy voice? Even though I'm not the Kelly you're addressing, it still weirds me out, so stop it.
0: So here's what I'm going to do from now on, Kelly, when I say good night, Kelly... I'm actually going to say it in the same voice I use when I read Dirty's emails because we know how well that's going on. <laughs> like, yo, 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 Kelly, Knights. Something like that. That's lovely. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. But I just upset two different groups. Two different
2: way. groups instantly. Just like well that. Well done. Well done. Thanks, Good man. job, Trevor. All right.
0: Um, Adrian, would you like to take the Team Canadian Shooting um, Sports
4: Association e newsletter, please? Do we want to do this whole one here? I don't know. Do what you want with it? <laughs> well, so this kind of plays around this uh this student that got in trouble for a, a Facebook photo. Um oh, so No, I can't do this. I can't do this. Can't. this
0: <laughs> uh, okay, well, go for it. Uh, I don't know. I'll, well, I'll,
4: I'll This 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 really talks to um I guess should you really be Give, careful about putting stuff up on your Facebook or not? Start,
0: start, Take a step back, Adriel, please, and, and for the listeners who aren't aware, explain what
4: happened. Let's go through it. Um, okay, so grade 10 student uh, Bryson Evans had his photo taken with Canadian Armed Forces members and their gear when they visited his high school in Hamilton, Ontario for career day in September. Uh, he was proud of it. Um, he was given the opportunity to hold one of the members' rifles, and he posted a photo of himself holding the rifle on his Facebook page. That's the background. Uh, and that was in, until uh, the people from Cathedral High School uh, got wind of this photo. Um, and they ordered uh, Bryson to stay away from school. so And they suspended him um, for so, having this photo up on his Facebook, I guess.
0: So real quickly, the school suspended him for having a profile picture, a Facebook profile picture of himself holding a C9 machine gun. Okay. So not only did they suspend him for holding, for having a profile picture on Facebook, his own personal Facebook, not the school's Facebook page, nothing like that. He changed his profile picture to himself holding a C9 machine gun, and they suspended him for it. But what makes it really despicable is the photo was taken at the school during career day. So the school invited the military to career day. The military was allowed to bring firearms into the school. The students were obviously allowed to handle firearms. So at career day, in his own school, he gets his photo taken holding a, a machine gun, posted to his Facebook, and then the school suspends him. Now, I'm not sure where you want to go with this, Adriel, but the only way to stop schools from getting away with this kind of stuff and 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 um, pulling these stunts in the first place is to sue the buggers. That's the only thing they understand. They will trample all over students' rights all day, every day, and the only thing they understand is court. Until some people, some school districts get sued for pulling crap like this, it's not going to change. But this one is just
4: a whole it's ridiculous. Other level. Yeah, it's it's totally ridiculous. I mean, yeah, like personal. I mean, I mean, I mean, you guys are, are are both in the school system, and this this just reinforces why students shouldn't friend their their teachers and uh, other people at their school because on Facebook, if they well, see something have, like this,
0: you don't have to friend somebody to do that, but to see somebody's profile picture. Yeah. The profile picture is always public. You can't make your profile picture private. So um, somebody goes into a parent calls the school. This is just hypothetical. Let's say it happened like this. Parent calls the school and says, oh my God, so-and-so was a student at your school. And his profile picture, he's holding a machine gun. So now they're feeling pressure from whatever. Anyway, it, it was reported to the school. The school, schools don't have time to cruise their students' Facebook profiles They will respond to something on Facebook that's brought to their attention. But it's almost always, I'm going to cut you tomorrow in the bathroom. You know, they respond to stuff like that. And they're all trained. They're supposed to be trained in threat assessment. Threat assessment was created by Kevin Cameron out in Alberta after a school shooting in Alberta. It's threat assessment level one, two, and I think three is in the works. I'm trained in one and two. It's an amazing program. And it teaches you to know the difference between a legitimate threat, which is I'm going to cut your throat in the third floor bathroom at 9:15 on Monday morning with the knife I'm taking from my father's hunting cabinet okay that's i've identified a threat i've de- i've identified a location a time a weapon that's something you need to take credible if somebody spray paints on a wall you're all going to die there's not a lot of meat to that right so yeah, yeah. for a school to in in they, like, I'm all across Canada, all schools should be trained in threat assessment by now. These guys assuming especially. Yeah. So, assuming they're trained in threat assessment, to react like this is just beyond disgusting. And, anyway, so, as I said, you, you don't have to be friends with somebody to see their profile picture, and teachers are encouraged nationwide, don't be friends with your students on Facebook. Um, the reality is, in some cases, that's how communication occurs. Like, the whole world is on Facebook, but and so it's not an issue of, of, of don't make friends with your teachers on Facebook, um, and it's not even a picture uh, an issue of don't put – be careful what you put on Facebook. I mean don't put anything on Facebook that's not illegal. This is an issue of the students' rights were just completely violated and trampled on, and uh, the parents just should have threatened a lawsuit. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. Then, of course, at Matthew's school, it's quite the opposite. There's uh, faculty or staff that have uh, husbands that carry Glocks or something, Matthew?
2: Yes, that's true. Yeah. And I mean Yeah, we're we're not a very anti-gun school at all. We uh we are very common sense at the school that I work at and it's very refreshing and I very much like it. Trevor, you're you're lead host, by the way. So any awkward silences are directly your fault. Totally my fault. I was just, <laughs> I was just
0: wondering, Adriel, you got anything else for that one? Because no, I kind of jumped. That... I jumped all over you, and I jumped all over it, and I don't want to cut you no, off here. Sorry.
4: You know, you, you've got more in, insight into uh, into how schools work and how uh, students have to operate within Facebook and that kind of thing. And I think um, I think you how you covered it there was uh, was exactly what we needed to hear on it. And I think that uh, yeah, that's what we needed to hear for this story. I mean,
0: again, and then as a teacher, I shouldn't be saying this, but really, uh, they need to get sued. They need to get sued so that they learn where their limits are. Um, if there is no threat made or anything like that, it's none of their business what a student's profile picture is because Facebook and school are two different worlds and one has nothing to do with the other unless, again, like I said, something occurs on Facebook that will spill over and it happens all the time.
2: Yeah, you, you said all this already.
4: Let's let's, let's carry on. I was going to
0: make a different point.
4: <laughs> oh, a different one. Yeah, it, it could have been resolved by them just asking, "Hey, what's this picture of, uh, of of you here?" And you would have been like, "That's from Career Day," and it would have been over. Like common sense could have stopped this thing five times before it got to where it got mm-hmm. to.
0: And you could even argue, Adriel, is it any of their business to ask him about his profile picture? You know, yeah. I mean. Anyway, all right. So. Um, if you have any other emails um, that you would like us to butcher or fight over, please feel free to send them to slamfireradio at gmail.com. And, um, yeah, iTunes. Do we have any iTunes reviews, guys?
2: I just checked. Nope.
0: Oh, all right. Well, we better get Stacy to check, though, to make yeah,
2: sure. Uh, Stacey, yeah, because if Stacy, yeah, she she knows more than we do. Apparently. <laughs> we love you, Stacy.
0: Yeah, quite a bit of confusion over the last one.
2: Oh. Yeah, that's
0: Um idea. But we, we do appreciate iTunes reviews. They help get the show noticed. They help get the, uh, the word out so that we can, uh, reach a wider audience. If you're feeling so inclined, please leave us a five star rating and a review. We've got 107 so far. So that's, that's pretty good. Uh, make it funny and you might even hear it on the show. Uh, let's face it, you're going to hear it on the show anyway. So just go ahead and write whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs. I've got a couple, but do any of you, either of you have any that aren't
2: listed here yet? I've got one there, but it's already listed. So, okay. Yeah, go for it.
0: Chris Babes, uh, for shooting a deer with a, I, mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's either a just right carbine or a Thuron defense. I'm not sure. But Chris Babes shot a deer with a 10 millimeter pistol carbine that uses Glock mags and a red dot from Tree Stand. And that's absolutely badass. So, good for you, Chris. Thank you for proving that, uh, black rifles can indeed be used for hunting. Not to be outdone, Ryan Adams goes out. And Ryan shoots a deer with a uh, Robinson Armaments XCR chambered in 6.8. So good for him. Um, and Mike from the Reloading Podcast, thank you again for all of your help um, last week. And if at all possible, I'd really like to get Mike on to do an episode on shot shell reloading. Mike is from the Reloading Podcast. So if you're new to reloading or been doing it for a long time, go uh, go check out the Reloading Podcast. You will not be
2: disappointed. Cool. All right. And I've got one to Paul, um, actually to a couple of other listeners too, but I can't remember their names. I didn't write them down. But Paul and a couple of other guys emailed uh, this last week and was wondering where our latest shows were. Their Their podcast apps were not picking up the new shows, and that's because we changed our RSS feed. And so those of you who are trying to find the show, but you can't, if you just... Just to, to delete the show from your your podcast app and then re add it it'll find the new feed automatically, and all the new shows will pop up i'm saying this on a new show, so you chance there you'll never hear this unless it worked <laughs> unless well no if, <laughs> if, if they they can't get the instructions to hear the new show until they find the new show. Can't maybe they're listening stuff. another way, okay. but uh yeah, maybe friends could tell other friends how to how to find us again but anyway it it should it should square it all the way, no big deal. Um, it is all, all, all done and, and working well now. Um, also he sent us a thumbs up, so we, we are up to 49 thumbs ups now. Uh? So. Just one? Just, yeah, he, he sent us a thumbs up. Ah. Right, uh, nice. Yeah, just, he's got two, I think, but, uh, you know, he was on his phone probably, so he's just using his one thumb to text, so it's probably that right. thumb. One,
0: yeah, one thumb on the steering wheel while yep. driving and the other yep. yeah.
2: Yeah, so, but anyway, that's great. I just wanted to say hi to Paul and, and to remind everybody that uh, our SS feed did change. So, please, please help your podcast apps find us on your phone if you have to. Excellent.
0: Okay. Well, be sure, listeners, to check us out on the Crusader Podcast Network at crusaderpodcast.com. Join any or all of our national firearms associations. It's important to support the people who support us. And, of course, the Canadian coolest from firearms rights. I'm just a little biased. Um, check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. And, uh, speaking of Gun Owners of Canada, did you see that they locked the, should we read the, uh, Dirt McGirt? Uh,
2: um, oh, they locked it? Oh, I didn't, lock it. Lock it. I, had... interesting. Yeah. Was you, there you some s- fighting going on there or something?
0: I personally didn't think so. Oh, I really didn't. No. I, um, there was some good debate back and forth, yeah. but I didn't see anybody calling anybody names or you're getting too uptight or, so I was very, actually very surprised to see that it was locked. So, hmm. kind of reminded me of, uh, some other form of tactics.
2: Well, maybe they have their reasons.
0: Well, I mean, clearly, yeah. 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 So anyway, so, uh, yeah, since that thread oh. on gun owners of Canada is locked, um, send us an email if you have an opinion on this topic, whether or not we should or should not bother to read, uh, dirty's emails anymore. And, um, while you're at it, then go like us on Facebook. We're at 1,297 likes, 49 thumbs up and counting, updated as of today. So, until next week, everybody, I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Furlott.
2: I'm another one of your hosts, Adriel. Wait, no, I'm Matthew. Dang it. Close enough. And I'm Adriel. Right. Or, or are you I'm Matthew? Frosty. The warning shot. The second warning shot. I'm Frosty the second warning shot. Snowman. (laughs) Uh, Good night, everybody.
0: So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something.
2: When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.